Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. Back in the Masson newsroom, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon. Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings joining you live on Facebook and on YouTube. So be sure to give us a comment along and uh, join the conversation. We love having you a part of the conversation. And if not, hopefully you're catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud. We love to hear all your feedback throughout the course of the show. Hope everyone had a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. Amy, it was a big weekend for our Terps as they got a huge win over West Virginia, which you were in attendance for. Yeah, that was an awesome game. Anytime they beat West Virginia, it is a good weekend, a big win for Maryland. Uh, and it was an exciting game. The stands were absolutely packed, and it's been a while, obviously, after COVID last year. But, of mm-hmm. course, you know, Maryland and their attendance sometimes isn't always the best. Correct. Uh, but it, the stadium was full. Students stayed. Awesome game. Um and you partied hard this weekend too. Uh, you were there I did. in spirit. But I was you there were in spirit. Else. Yes, I was there in spirit. Uh, I was at a wedding this weekend in Cleveland. Cleveland's a fun town. Got to give it hands. Uh, we stayed in the hotel, basically directly across the stadium from the Brown Stadium, oh, which cool. is very okay. cool. across the street. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cleveland's also one of those towns where they've got all three of their sports arenas basically in the same kind of area of the city, which is cool. I always mm-hmm. like that. Like Baltimore is a very good example with M&T Bank and Camden Yards across the street from one another. I know. Nats fans wish that Nats, the Navy Yard area would be kind of similar to that. We get Nats Park, you get uh, Audi Field across the way, and you know who knows what the next Wooft t- uh, Stadium will, where that will be. Um, but if they're able to be some kind of close uh, to that area, that'd be very. But yeah, great time, great win. I was following along on my phone as much as I could, um, and be- it actually worked out perfectly because the game was going on in between. Wedding and reception, oh, you perfect. had like an hour and a half break while like the bridal party was taking pictures and stuff. So I was able to watch some. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm in. I'm excited for the season. I think, you know, Mike Loxley is the right guy and hopefully the Terps have a good season. And my folks and my sister were in attendance there. They said they had a great time for the whiteout. Um, so looking forward to a, a good year. And, uh, you know, it's the Big Ten, so it's always going to be tough, but it could be fun. Um, but that being said, you know, I know before we get a comment, uh, talk baseball. You talk baseball, baseball because everyone wants us to talk baseball, uh, even though we are avid sports fans outside of the Nationals. Uh, Amy, this was uh, your topic that you wanted to bring up. We're going to be talking about uh, which players are maybe not on the roster at the beginning of this season and are fighting for spots for next year. So I'm going to toss it to you and let you kind of steer the conversation. Yeah, well, basically, come almost the entire starting lineup now are made of players who didn't start with the team, whether they were with another organization to start the season or in the minors to start the season. Um, and you typically see a couple guys up, a couple extra faces in September. But this Nats roster, the situation that they're in, is complete, almost completely new. Um, and I kind of have a feeling that a lot of these guys might just start the season um, with the Nationals in starting roles to begin next year. Some, there might be some battles in spring training, um, but we will we will see. Um, so we're just going to go through some position players, but I guess first, Bobby, let's start with who of the starting position players now do you think is most likely, guys that are new. Guys that are new that meaning. That didn't start. This, right. Didn't to start, start the yeah. season with uh, the Major with League the, Team. Yes. Gotcha. Or who do you think is the most likely 
to have a starting role in 2022? I'm going to start with the infield and two guys that are probably pretty obvious uh, names, and I'm sure you have a lot of notes on them as well. But Carter Keeboom and Luis Garcia, and we've talked a lot about Carter, obviously, on this podcast. Uh, Luis Garcia a little bit more since he's been called up. But with Carter, you know, I just think we, we've also talked about, like, how if it's not Carter – They need to go find someone to play third base. That was the whole issue coming into this season. He didn't grab the job in spring training 2021. Uh, They needed to move Starling Castro over to that side of the field. Uh, So that was kind of a whole fiasco. And now he's up here, and we know he's going to play the rest of the way at at the hot corner. And he's playing pretty well. And it's, you know, there I think we talked about a little bit last week. There are still some mental mistakes being made in the field. Base running last night. Base running (laughs) last night. He's still learning the position a little bit on the fly. We're getting close to the point, though, where that's not going to be an excuse anymore because this will probably, I want to say this will be his official first year playing strictly third base Um, because obviously last year didn't count. 2019, I think he was still bouncing back and forth between third and second. Um, So this will be his first official year playing fully third base. And we're running out of time, yes, that he can no longer use that excuse where I'm still learning. That. Not that he's using the excuse, but we're using the excuse for him uh, of I'm, I'm playing third base. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. learning the position on the fly. So you like to see some of those mental mistakes get cleared up a little bit, but he's hitting well. He's hitting the ball well. He's hitting over 300 over his last nine games. Remember last year, Amy, the whole thing was he wasn't getting extra base hits. He's got two homers and a double over his last nine games. So he's not just slapping singles all over the field. He's actually driving the ball and getting to the second base, getting the ball out of the out of the uh, the park, obviously had the walk off homer or the walk off hit on on Sunday uh, or Monday against the it was Labor Monday. Day yeah yep. it was Labor Day against the Mets. Um, so I think right now he of course did not start the season with the major league club. That was a whole big deal that he got sent down to AAA before the season started. I think we're looking at next year unless the Nationals and Mike Rizzo pulls off some crazy move signing or trading for which I don't I don't think trading is very likely, but signing a veteran guy. I think we're seeing Carter Keboom. He's going to be the opening day third baseman next year, sink or swim. Right, because here's the thing is they were willing to name him their third baseman, starting third baseman at the beginning of the season or in the offseason to go into the beginning of the season We when he had just three extra base hits in 43 big league games. So if they're mm-hmm. willing to name him the starter in that situation, um, not knowing really what's to come, then of course he struggled in spring training, then I, I can't imagine that they won't name him now that he's progressing and you're seeing the, the progress, um, especially at the plate. He still has some work to do in the field, but you know he's doing a million times better. So if they're going to name him the starter with just three extra base hits in 43 big league games, I can't imagine they're not going to do it with the success that he's seeing now. First walk-off hit on Monday, um, you're, you're, you're seeing the growth. Now, of course, there's going to be some growing pains because he's young and there's, I think he, Luis Garcia, you mentioned him, he is a little more leeway with his growing pains because he's just 21. Right. Um, Carter Keboom, like you mentioned, he kind of the excuses are getting a little less and less acceptable, but there's going to be some growing pains, but you throw him out there every single day. He's getting a chance and, and he's producing a lot better than he was. And the thing is, this is really the first time that he's ever kind of been able to relax and know that he's the guy. They don't yeah. have any other options. Um, and even though I think they tried to build that confidence in him when they named him the starter and said, this is our third baseman of the future. Realistically, that wasn't the truth because, you know, at the last minute they had to put Starling Castro in there yeah. uh, to open up the season. So I think this is the first time it's stress off, you know, weight off his shoulders. He can just go out there and do what he likes to do. And you're kind of seeing the results of that. I think also, and this is something we've talked about before too, is like the things that need correcting are, 
I think things that just come with more experience and are very coachable things. Like mm-hmm. the mental mistakes are things that you can be coached up on, learning the game, knowing the situation, the stuff that we were talking about that we we're a little concerned that you, you know, he might have to figure out on his own was the hitting, and he seems to have sort of figured that out. He's hitting a lot better, um, has a lot more confidence at the plate. Now it's kind of transferring that confidence to the field. You're just kind of slowing the game down a little bit. And I think that's something that he can do. That'll come with reps. That'll come with finishing these last, was it, 24 games of the season starting every day um, and then having a clear head going into spring training next year and he'll be able to kind of take that and run with it and, and, and be a little more calm, collective, smarter, smarter in, right. the, in the field at, at third base and just be way more comfortable uh, and be able. So I think some of these things are can, are coachable. You can watch game film and say, all right, in this situation, you should have, you know, covered the bag. This situation, you should have just thrown the ball to second base instead of trying to force it across the diamond, stuff like that. So I think that's a lot of coachable things. And maybe, you know, once the season's over, he can kind of take a step away from the game and then come back in a couple months and start work, working on game film and stuff. And then it's also like, you know, mechanical things too. You know, David Martinez has talked a lot about they need him to step into his throws mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that is very cool. I mean, that's just literally changing a mechanical issue um, and, and driving the ball as you throw it across the diamond into to first base for the out. So I think that some of the harder things, he's shown progress that he's on his way to fixing and the other stuff will come with reps and just, game film and, and some little more coaching right I, I agree with you there and I think the same thing probably goes for Luis Garcia mm-hmm. it's a matter of reps it's a matter of playing every day and I know when they were kind of competing and still in contention uh, Luis Garcia obviously didn't have that that chance to play every day um, but now he's getting that chance and, and he's improving and he'll have you know great days and he'll have you know really bad days great series not so great not so great series he tripled on Monday and had five extra base hits in that Met series that was a really good series for, for him and then he'll have not so great and I think that's just growing pains he's only 21 years old yeah uh, you kind of forget that because of course you saw him last year and he came up big in some moments for the Nationals when they needed him um, and now he's just getting the chance to play every day it's kind of more relaxed the problem with the Nationals is if they don't go with him, they don't really have a whole right. lot of other middle infield options within their system right now. You're right, and, and that's what we also mentioned this last week when we were talking about kind of the roster crunch that we were facing as rosters expanded, and we were also still dealing with the Alcides Escobar injury before he returned, thankfully, that night. But, you know, like we said, if Escobar is out and Garcia is forced to play shortstop, there's who's going to – how do they cover the infield? Um, luckily, that's not the case right now. They, they've got all the guys – knock on wood, healthy and, and, and able to play their normal positions. But with Garcia, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Carter that we talked about, you know, two years ago. It's like, pick a position. We don't need him going back and forth on shortstop, second base. Um, you know, I know he came up as a shortstop, and he has now since moved over to second base. If, if the future infield looks like Carter at third and Luis at second, and then you – put you know again a more veteran guy at short or whatever it may be that's fine but if you think that Garcia is your shortstop of the future let's move him over now because you know his confidence should be pretty high he's hitting well at the plate he's got some reverse splits though he I love the way he crushes lefties as a left-handed hitter he's hitting 333 against lefties uh this season compared to just 195 against righties now it's a third of the sample size because he's only got 44 plate appearances against lefties um but he's got a 911 OPS against them so that just right there already shows a maturity uh, at level that we've only really seen in like Juan Soto at the plate where mm-hmm. he's very patient he knows his strike zone um and I think Ideally, you know, typically you would only see his righty splits go up um, as he gets a little more comfortable up there. But it's more like, like we said with Carter, it's more the defense. 
pick a position, which side of the uh, of second base are you going to play and play it from here on out. And if he finishes the season at second, great. I think that he then needs to start next season at second base as well. Right, and I think, you know, like last year, it doesn't bother you so much he's going back and forth between those positions because he's just trying to get big league experience. You know, you're kind of trying him out at a couple of different positions, uh, you know, back and forth in that middle infield. But now it's kind of like you're developing your infield of the future. And if Luis Garcia is going to fit into that, to that picture, you need to put him at a position and let him get comfortable with it. It's kind of the same thing you did with Carter Keboom. He was kind of moving around, and then you said, no, he's playing third base, and that's kind of it. Um, and they've stuck to that. So maybe they need to do the same to Luis Garcia to kind of give him a fair shake and get comfortable, um, kind of get comfortable out there. And then you mentioned how he's crushing lefties mm-hmm. this year. That was kind of the reverse of last year, and that's right. what he's been working on is his approach at the plate, picking his pitches, not just going up there and, and swinging it swinging at anything close um, and obviously that's kind of resulted in a flip and how he's been crushing lefty hitting over righty I mean r- lefty pitching over righties yeah. um, this year so that's that's definitely incredible and I think I mean the skills there Luis Garcia is a good ball player I really like him yeah I do too um, and I think probably most likely he's going well who knows how the rest of the infield is going to shake out what they do in free agency shortstop is kind of a question and we'll get into that in a second but the way things stand right now, your best bet is probably to let Luis Garcia start the season at second base, mm-hmm. get as many reps as you can if he factors into the infield of the future. Real quick, who do you think has been played more major league games, Luis Garcia or Carter Keboom? Ooh. Luis Garcia. Yeah, you're right. I was actually su- I was surprised. It's, That's, it would I, trick you because obviously <laughs> Carter has – Major League experience across three seasons, 19, 20, mm-hmm. and now 2021. 20, and Garcia only came up just last year. But he's got three more games of Major League experience this year. And that also kind of goes back to the conversation we had earlier this season that we kind of know what the Nationals think of Carter Keboom because whenever they needed an infielder, they would bring up Garcia mm-hmm. instead of Carter. Uh, and now, obviously, with the transition to being, you know, fully embracing this retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it, you know, Carter has to be up here and, and, and playing every day. But I was a little – when you think about it, it makes sense, but I was kind of surprised that Garcia yeah, has played I, at more games. At first glance, I yeah. mean, at first thought I'm going to say Keebum, but yeah. that's – yeah, I yeah, guess you if you think about it. Yeah, you would have jolted yep. to Keebum, so. And you forget what a big chunk of games he played last year when they needed him. You're you right. know, it yeah. kind of was a whirlwind, I guess, a little bit last mm-hmm. year, but he played a chunk of games last year for them. So. And they're both under 90 games, like 89 and 86. So it's like that's still a very small sample size. Carter's feels larger, like we just kind of talked about, because it's spanned so over three, three years, se- yeah. and so much has been placed on his shoulders. He was a number one overall prospect for a time uh, for the team. So that kind of feels like it's – but it's really not that much. You know, mm-hmm. he hasn't even played 100 games at the major league level yet, which is surprising and, you know – Maybe at that point we can have a, a greater conversation. If he finishes off the season, you know, he'll surpass 100 by the end of by season's end. So, you know, that will be a pretty fair so- sample size. But he hasn't even played a full season's worth of games. We just, you know, maybe people make a big deal about Juan Soto's career stats over a 162-game span, you know, from year to year. Trey Turner did the same thing. And they're they're mind-boggling, but they have such larger sample size. And Carter Keepham has, right. has just barely played half of a season. Jeez. At the major league level. That's crazy. It That's crazy. crazy. And they, they always have been quick to move Carter up and down. If he's not producing, they've always kind of been rather quick to move him down. And you felt like you never really got a, 
a fair shake over, you know, a larger sample size um, to see. And that kind of, that just goes to show. So I guess moving across the infield to shortstop, which is another big question for the Nationals moving forward, especially in 2022, the guy who's been the number two hitter and starting at shortstop day in and day out is Alcides Escobar, who wasn't even with the team Mm -hmm. um, until July and is in a name that you heard around baseball for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that he factors in to their starting lineup opening day 2022 he's 34 years old he has 12 years of experience he's played over 1400 games <laughs> he's played 1400 more games <laughs> than, 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 than <laughs> Luis garcia and carter keyboom um you know it's one of those things and we're gonna have this conversation of course in the next couple of weeks probably mm-hmm. a week or so after the season actually ends but looking at uh free agent targets for the team and what needs they need to fill shortstop you know is probably at the top of that list it might be one of the at, at the top of the list it's a definitely a possibility I, I don't think I think it'd be kind of silly to to cancel it out completely the notion that Alcides Escobar couldn't return next year he is of course will, he will be a free agent at the end of the season so you know it's not a definite and but the Nationals could easily re-sign him and having played here and if he knows that you know I'm gonna play every day and be the shortstop why wouldn't I come back here unless some other team for whatever reason comes in, you know, gives him some more money. He hasn't had an outstanding of a season. He's hitting 284, 372 OPS, only two home runs and 17 RBIs. So with a stolen base, I don't know how much you can realistically expect he could find elsewhere. But if he does, great. That just opens a huge hole in the middle of the Mm -hmm. Nationals infield. But if not, and he comes back, I think that's a, you know, it's a veteran presence that Carter and I think Luis have both talked about how much Alcides has helped both of them uh, because he has so many games under his belt uh, playing in the infield. Um, His experience at, I think, all three of those positions, maybe third the least, but shortstop for sure, obviously, and second base a little bit as well. So I I think that if it's, like we just talked about with Luis, if it's not going to be Luis, it, with no one else really close to being major league ready at the minor league levels, at the higher levels of the minor mm-hmm. league levels, I think you're, you're, they're definitely going to be looking for a veteran presence at shortstop, and I'll see this Escobar could fit that bell perfectly. Right, and I think, I mean, the thing with him, and you've seen it this season, is he's kind of the veteran guy that can fit in any position. Well, not any position, but like you right. mentioned, those middle infield positions, and can kind of hit anywhere in the lineup, and he's done a decent job. I mean, for this, this is a guy who was a huge part of the Royals 2015 World Series. Yep. team one ALCS MVP and then after that he really wasn't getting on base they let him go he ended up back with the Royals and then of course the Nationals got him and a gold um, glove and a gold glove and I think he was on the all-star team that year yep. so he obviously you know found some success and then after that he just wasn't getting on base now he's hitting you know number two for the for the Nationals um, day in and day out and I think that's what Davey Martinez likes about him is that he's a guy that's getting on base more now he's mm-hmm. drawing his walks more now um, he's kind of just that veteran presence that can hit anywhere and, and play a couple different positions and really that's probably the type of guy that the Nationals are going to need to fill in next year when they're rebuilding not really competing he might be kind of the glue holding it together just for one more season kind of filling in I feel like this is kind of how we talked about, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's obviously the same as Josh Harrison, but this is kind of how we talked yeah. about Josh Harrison heading into the season. That's a great point and a great comparison. And just to go back in 2018, that which was his first, no, sorry, his last full 
length major league season before this year and coming up with the Nationals after the trade over from Kansas City. He played short third, a little bit of the outfield uh, in center field, and then also second. And then also going all the way back to 2010, between 2010 and 2018, he played 145, 158, 155, 158, 162, 148, 162, 162, and 140 games uh, per season. At, we I know he just got a little banged up last week, but at the very least, he'll be durable, and you can count on him playing a premier position at shortstop most days rather than not. And he hasn't cost them at shortstop. No, I don't think so means. either. And, it, I mean, he's been productive in the lineup. I mean, it's crazy how productive this lineup has decided to be, how their offense has been better since the trade deadline than it was earlier in the season. It's kind of hard to believe, but he's been, I mean, he's their number two hitter, not your traditional, you know, best guy on the team or best hitter on the team rather, but that's the role he's been asked to fill. And he's kind of, he, he's done it, done a good job. He obviously He's 34 years old. He doesn't factor into their future long term, but it might be what they need uh, to fill that position in, in 2022. Who knows if he'll stick around? We'll see. But really, other than, than that, in the minor leagues, they don't have a whole lot of people anywhere close. I mean, mm -hmm. as far as middle infielders go, go, Jake Knoll is probably the highest up in, in their farm system right now um, as far as you know levels. Jackson Clough has been hurt. Um, they don't have a whole lot of no. options in the middle infield to at least start the season. In terms of his defense, like you mentioned, he has his best defensive war per baseball reference since 2016. Now, it's not great. It's minus .01, negative .01, .1, but it's better than what he's had in, had in the past. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, for him, pretty good. Right. And, you know, I, I don't think we've seen too, too many errors from him out there. And um, they, know, they know they're not getting a gold glove right. shortstop with anymore, him. Anymore, right. You know, anymore. But he has that pedigree. He has that, mm -hmm. you know, caliber. He, he theoretically could be. Or I think it's at least he knows the game more than anyone else that they could possibly throw out there, not already on, not on the roster. And if they're, or, yeah, right. And as they're kind of rebuilding and these prospects are coming up, it's important to have at least one, two, a couple guys on your team that can be that veteran presence. We talked about it last week with Alex Avila as these younger catchers and Riley Adams and Cabra Ruiz are developing. It's important to have him there. Having somebody in the infield when you have a, a young infield with Carter Keboom, Luis Garcia, who could start the season next year, having at least one or two guys that have have been there um know how it works to go along with it is important in a rebuild and is important especially with with the nationals you got armando cruz at rookie ball you got yasni altuna who's the nationals are very high on mm -hmm. um he's he's played well of late but he's at only at high Same a boy, yeah. um so sammy infante which i know the nationals also are high on. they drafted him uh, last year in the shortened draft um he's still a rookie ball so yeah if at the very least, Escobar could be a stopgap. And and like someone mentioned in our Facebook comments, um, uh, Mike Moore, Escobar for sure, stopgap for 2022. I, I agree, and that's that's not the worst-case scenario for the Nationals, I don't think. I mean, I, could you get someone better? Yeah, theoretically, oh, and we'll talk about whole, that. A handful of people, but, but why? But why? For oh, what? For, it, that's the great <laughs> question. For what? Why? why what, what would be the point? You're not going to go out and sign a Trey Turner-level I know he's not a free agent next mm -hmm. year, but – you know, a Trey Turner level, level caliber player for mm -hmm. next year when you're not expecting to compete. No, I completely agree with you there. He might be a good, a good temporary fix, yeah. um, and he certainly has been this year. He's gotten the job done uh, for what they've asked him to do. 
Moving to the outfield, probably the biggest question in the outfield for next year is left field. You know, Juan Soto is locked in right. Center field's <laughs> up question. We don't quite know. But we know who will be there. We, we know yes. who the names will be. We know the options, of course. Victor Robles will be considered. He'll still be around. And then after the performance that Lane Thomas has put on so far in his time with the Nationals, I'm certain that it's going to be a battle in spring training. Or maybe Lane Thomas is an option in left field. Right. Other okay. than that, Yadiel Hernandez, Andrew Stevenson. Who else do we have, Bobby? That might be it. Yep. Uh, I mean, as far I, as with the big league team right yeah. now, those are the only options. Yeah, and and I know Gerardo Parra is going through a couple of – he's been a little banged up. He's trying to get back into baseball activities. I hate to say it, Nationals fans, but Baby Shark is going to come to an end. I mean, you're just not going to see Gerardo Parra on the major league roster next year. If he's on the club, he's going to be one of Davey's coaches, and he's going to be yeah. like a special assistant to Davey Martinez, you know, VP of morale for (laughs) for, uh, Gerardo Pardo. So he's not got an option, and that is probably it. And um, uh, I think with Yadiel, Pete Kurtzel had a great article this morning on MassInSports.com about how he's trying to finish the season strong and make his case for next year. People forget he's already in his 30s. I mean, he is Mm -hmm. as late of a bloomer as you could find in Major League Baseball because he made his debut last year. Great story, obviously playing in, was it Cuba for a while, and then maybe even the Mexican League for a little bit before signing with the Nationals back in 2016. So I I think the problem with, not the problem, but the only issue I foresee it being between uh, Yadiel and Andrew Stevens as they're both left-handed. Lane Thomas helps because he's right-handed and obviously Victor's right-handed, mm-hmm. but we're looking, we're possibly looking at a situation next year where Victor or Lane will be the only right-hander outfielders. You ideally would like a little more flexibility to play matchups, pinch hitting, pinch running, defense uh, later in the, in the, in, later in games. Um, but, you know, Yadiel's been playing well. I mean, he hasn't come out of the lineup too much, too often. Um, he's been out there, even with Andrew Stevenson up uh, while Victor was sent down. So, yeah, we know how much Davey loves him uh, <laughs> in terms of how he he's he's just a good hitter. I mean, the numbers aren't gonna like jump off the pa- page for him, but he's just a, a solid contact hitter, and that is what exactly what we talked about that Andrew Stevenson sometimes struggles with. He flashes at times that he can be a great contact hitter as well, but not consistent enough. And, of course, Victor Robles had his own struggles. Right, and I think this was in a Mark Zuckerman article maybe yesterday that Andrew Stevenson is hitting 411 off the bench and just 178 when he's in the starting lineup. So um, he's definitely not hitting uh, when he's starting, and that's not too great. Now you kind of have the – but he's uh, more solid in the field. Now you kind of have the reverse of that with the ADL, where he has has some defensive struggles. He's definitely improved, but still not as good defensively as he is at the plate. He is just a good, solid hitter. Um, And you've seen it over the last few games, last night, three-run homer. Um, they're kind of the the reverse of each other. Uh, neither of them is kind of what you want as your everyday starting left fielder. Now, if there's a DH, possibly. That's know, a great point. Who knows what's going to happen in this offseason. Yadiel really sets himself up great there. Andrew Stevenson is a great fifth outfielder guy off the bench if you need him to pitch hit. Um, but neither of them really round themselves off as being an everyday left fielder. But what they do do, I think, is be combined to be a great, platoon mm-hmm. for the left for left field I, I think and that might be what they decide to do mm-hmm. I mean can't tell but you know you could theoretically like we've seen David do a handful of times already start Yadiel 
Um, and then as the game goes on, we, you just mentioned the numbers. Andrew Stevenson, non-hyperbole, is one of the best pinch hitters in baseball. And then you have a great, you have a better defensive replacement for later in the game. I mean, you know, look, think back to last week where Yadiel had that really tough play back at the wall in that game um, against the Braves that I think ended up getting away from them. Um, it was a it was a close game until the end. I think uh, the bullpen kind of melted down. It was the Wander Suero inning, I think mm-hmm. it was. Um, so you know that's going to happen. But if you, in an instance where you could have, and because they're both left-handed, they're interchangeable. If the matchup calls for it, you can have Andrew Stevenson come off the bench, um, and, and he's just been a fantastic fourth guy. Like we, we mentioned the numbers, but and that's been kind of his mojo throughout the entire time he's been with the Nationals. Uh, he's that verge triple-A major league level guy, but when he's with the major league level club, he's a great off the bench, and he's a great weapon for Davey Martinez to have. So are these two guys that you think we'll definitely see in 2022? Stevenson, yes. I, I, I don't see Stevenson – them giving up on him, I just think you know he's still young and controllable, and, and it's going to be cheap. Um, Yadi Yell, Yadi Yell, yes, I, I think because he just made his debut, he is on the older, older side, and I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about this way too much, but let's just again, who's knocking on the door? Right, their top-rated outfielder is Jeremy De La Rosa, and he's mm-hmm. only played at single A. Donovan Casey, maybe who Donovan got Casey's a good from point. the Dodgers is mm-hmm. probably the closest who will maybe see next season into triple a right but as far as starting the season there he just got promoted to triple a um it's like the last leg of the season will we see him there start there i don't know but he's definitely an option to be invited for spring training and at least have a shot the other thing too is that you got to keep in mind we're just talking about starting the season next year with the team that doesn't mean they're going to finish i mean you know you don't want to see someone's career end or anything but (laughs) if if yadiel is not playing well and he is you know taking up a roster spot that Donovan Casey has earned, you know, you, I, I think they could still option him down mm-hmm. or DFA him, whatever it may be. Options, yeah. But, you know, I, I think I would like to think that the Nationals, and this being Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez, are going to not let veteran guys on one-year deals, I know this doesn't apply to Stevenson or, or, or Yadiel, but um, be a, a hindrance to them in terms of stopping an, a prospect from coming up. Um, they don't have a lot, but they will have a couple uh, next year, knock on the door, and I'm, they're going to give them their chance. Because right. next year, that's what all next year is about, is getting these guys up here, seeing what they can do, um, and getting them some major league experience. Right, and that's just kind of, well, yeah, they've never really, I mean, they're not afraid to promote guys when it's their chance and kind of say to these guys, whether on one-year deals or just veteran guys, kind of, hey, you're getting the boot, uh, at, at least temporary. And as the season goes on, there will be opportunities to promote these guys and continue their growth and development at the big league level, especially with the situation. I mean, we're talking about two guys who weren't starters at the beginning of the season, and now they're starting almost every day. Um, so that, that'll probably still be the case to begin the season. But as 2022 progresses, rebuilding like they are, we're going to see a lot of new names, new faces, I'm sure, especially uh, out in the outfield. So Yadiel Hernandez isn't arbitration eligible until after the 2023 season. So he's got two more years left mm-hmm. before he becomes arbitration eligible. So there's just no point in giving him the boot, like right. like you said. Like <laughs> there's he's a valuable. He he provides something. He brings something to the table. You can utilize him in some capacity next year. The only thing he has going against him is that he'll be 34. Yep. And then I think there's always the option where they move Lane Thomas maybe into left field, depending on Victor Robles's 
progress and if he is realistically going to be a starter for um, 2022. But we know that since Lane Thomas has joined this team, he has been nothing but productive and really a bright spot in this lineup. And certainly, I mean, I think Victor Robles is likely to start in Actually, I don't even know if I want to say that anymore <laughs> because I felt confident. But seeing as seeing as they didn't demote him until Lane Thomas got here and Lane Thomas was producing, mm-hmm. I I don't know. Well, it's like we said. I mean, we talked about this at length last week because that's when the demotion happened. But you know, the only. Victor needs two things to happen for him to get back up here this season. I know we're talking about mostly next season, but he needs to play well AAA, which I believe he hit a home run last night, and mm-hmm. he also hit a triple in his very first at-bat at, at, with the Rochester. Great sign. Um, Mike Rizzo heard this morning on his uh, weekly radio interview that he, his defense has missed a step, so he's playing really good defense down there, so that's a great sign. Um, but he needs to play well, and unfortunately for him, he needs Lane Thomas to take a step back and, and – mm-hmm you know, force David Martinez to look for another option out there. And, I mean, Lane Thomas, is that's not happening. He's hitting 316. Right. Um, he's got three homers and 11 RBIs. He already has more homers and RBIs in 21 games than Victor did, uh, however many games he had this season, so at the major level. So it's it, – it's, that's the, that part's not happening. So my, my guess, my gut feeling says we will not see Victor Robles again this year. But no, not when this the calendar year. turns, it's a whole new season, and – you know who? Wh- why not have an open com- uh, competition for center right. field next next year? And if they both play well, that's probably the best case scenario. Because then, yeah, you can move Lane over to left, and then you have Yadiel and Stevenson in better situations as backups. Right. I think that's the best situation they can be in, and to have people possibly competing for a- an opening day starting position is really good because they don't really have that. The Nationals don't really have that problem at any other position. But, I mean, Lane Thomas has just been absolutely on fire. He had eight hits and four RBIs in the wraparound series this weekend with the Mets. And like you mentioned, he's hitting 316, nine extra base hits. Uh, and his OPS is over 300 points higher uh, than Victor Robles' was over the last two seasons, and that's just in, in 21 games with Lane Thomas. The thing is with him is can he sustain the su- success? Yeah. Um, obviously crazy things happen in September, uh, and he really never was consistent at the big league level with the Cardinals. Uh, so will he be able to – the rest of the season, these last few weeks, is going to be really important for him, I think, and is if he can consistently hit the way he's hitting, um, obviously – you know, we didn't even touch on his his defense. I mean, he's really, really doing well in the field as well. Um, so if he can do this for the rest of the season, then it's definitely going to be a battle for that opening day starting, starting spot. I think that's just what's going to be important for Lane Thomas, or does he cool down here? So we're getting close to the sample size for Lane Thomas that we first saw with him in St. Louis back in 2019 when he made his That's debut. He played 34 games in 2019 with the Cardinals. He hit 316, which is he's, he's hitting right now, with an OPS just over 1,000, uh, 1093, uh, with four home runs and 12 RBIs. He's kind of on that path already in 21 games with uh, the Nationals. The problem is you look at the following year, um, he only played 18 games, sorry, did not follow the Cardinals too much back in 2020, so I'm not sure if that was injury-related or roster-related, whatever. Uh, but then also earlier this year with the Cardinals' 51 games, he uh, barely hit over 230 um, with only three home runs and 12 RBIs. Maybe it was a case he needed a, new, a change of scenery, and that's right. why he's played. But, you know, I don't want to crown him as, you know, the, the next great thing because he's 
there is already a track record of he does really well to close out a season in a short amount of time mm -hmm. and then never really fully bounces back. But maybe he didn't have the opportunity. I mean, the Cardinals obviously were competing those years. So if the Nationals aren't competing next year and they have roster spots open for young guys, maybe he just needs to play every single day and, and get more reps up there and, and can show that he can do it over a whole season. Right, and the good thing about him is the question has been who do you hit in that leadoff spot for Davey Martinez pretty much all season. And he's yeah. really given them a good option as a leadoff hitter um, that Victor Robles was never really able to, you know, right, fill the bill. Right, which is also a bad news for Victor Robles. Yeah. So, yeah, that is true because uh, that's kind of what the mold they've been trying to fit him in for, for a while. So hopefully maybe Victor Robles comes on to finish the rest of the season, has a good spring training, and you have an option where Lane Thomas starts in left field and you have Victor Robles in center, and then you have Yadiel and Andrew Stevenson kind of come off the bench, mm -hmm. uh, which we know Andrew does best. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, it's certainly not good news for Victor Robles. Yeah, and, and you know, the whole point of this podcast is talking about guys who weren't here at the start of the season mm -hmm. and where they will be at the start of next season and that's lane thomas not so much victor and lane like we said has earned at least that consideration we'll see how he finishes over these last 24 games his track record shows that he could probably finish pretty strong and pretty well you know and pretty good and you would have to assume that that would make him the leading candidate to be the starting center fielder next year unless something changes over this next less than a month which is like we've talked about it's you know kind of where we talk about the infield where it's these guys have been in the system and you're like not as excited that they're going to be starting the the season at these positions necessarily um this is kind of exciting because this is a guy that didn't start the season with the big league team and didn't even start the season in this organization you kind of had no idea what was to come to so to see that they're they're doing well this year uh right away and then that they could start at that position next year i think it is really good um news for the nationals and i didn't even know that lane thomas had a good arm until he oh threw gosh. out Baez at third yes. on sunday i think it was well, i was like I, he's oh. done it a couple of times actually he did it a couple of times last week i remember watching the games and then he also did it this weekend mm -hmm. yeah no oh he did it in milwaukee it was milwaukee like two weeks ago and he nailed okay. someone at second base on a, on a laser from mm -hmm. deep center field because uh the brewer stadium is, is big that's a big outfield right. he was like at the wall and nailed someone at second base so very impressive arm mm -hmm. i mean that was again that was just kind of his whole prospect coming out of the cardinal system he was their top rated defensive that's outfielder mm -hmm. and also their fastest base runner and we have seen that and like we said that's bad news for victor robles because it's exactly that's the mold that he, that's exactly. what he brings to the table and if blaine is doing it better he's gonna play more and of course we're seeing that right now right another potential uh position battle this is more of a in my mind a good thing though is want to go behind the backstop the behind the play mm -hmm. at the catcher position obviously Bear ruiz uh pretty much catching every single day now riley adams is back up Correct me if I'm wrong, I do not think we've seen Alex Avila since he's been reinstated. Just uh, once. Just once. When, since Kaber's been hurt with those those knee bruises? Is yeah, knee something bone like bruise. bone bruise. I, we've seen Alex Avila once, um, and I, I think that's been it. So it's these two, and I think it's these two moving forward, um, and certainly in 2022. But you've also got, for the first time, for the first time in forever, We've got Beautiful, thank you. We've got catcher depth in the system because you know we saw Tres Barrera come up here. Um, they they've got Caber as a number one. You know they they brought in Riley Adams mm -hmm. from uh, uh, 
uh, Toronto. Uh, they got Israel Pineda down there as well uh, at the lower levels at high A. So they, for once in a long time, have catching depth. And so the lo- it's, I don't know if I want to call it a log jam, but the competition that's going to happen in, in spring training is finally a good thing right. um, for this backstop. Because, you know, for the past couple of years, we've always had, you know, it was Jan Gomes and then it was Kurt Suzuki. Mm-hmm. You can go back. It was Wilson Ramos and Jose Lobatone a year or two with Matt Weeders, yada, yada, yada. Um, they finally have young depth at the catching <laughs> position. And so you know who's going to be back there. It's just a matter of who's going to take over that number one spot. And, uh, yeah, I think young is key because yeah. they filled this position with older, more veteran catchers for several, several years. To, so to see two guys that could be at this position with the Nationals for many years to come is exciting. Obviously, catchers don't have the longest shelf life, but you're going to see these guys um, at this position with the Nationals for a while, and I think it's exciting. Um, and it's going to be exciting because these are two guys who had no idea we're coming um, at the beginning of the season, the middle of the season, um, and now they're here and they're going to start at that position, health, you know, permitting in 2022. Yeah, and that's, I think we talked about this at the trade deadline too. It was nice that, and obviously he's one of the better GMs in baseball, that Mike Rizzo addressed this. You know, it was clearly a point of emphasis that he wanted young catching death mm-hmm. because that's not something they've had in a long time. And now you've got your number one prospect in Caber Ruiz. He'll probably graduate before the season's up, but he's when he's healthy, your everyday catcher, and he will probably be the starter next year with Riley or Tress as his backup. But point being is that, what do you think that? So maybe the question then turns into: Do they kind of in the and I'll see this Escobar like fashion? Do they go and maybe try to go get a veteran backup as well to kind of help guide these guys along? because we'll probably see all three of them play at the major league level throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because that's been, you know, that's been the recipe that they've kind mm-hmm. of put in for the rest of this season is you ha- they reinstated Alex Avila. He's up there going to catch one, two, maybe three times before yeah. the end of the season, but he's the veteran presence, the number three catcher to kind of guide and develop these guys along. I, I kind of see that might be how they start 2022. Um, and it's not just the catchers, it's also the pitching staff. I mean, we, right. we, we were – We'll probably talk a lot more about this bullpen, but you're talking about a lot of young bullpen <laughs> arms. The, the the starting staff will be a little more experienced. You get Strasburg back. Obviously, Corbin's going to be here. Fetty, hopefully Joe Ross will be healthy again. So those guys have been around the block, so they know what they are and, and can, can work with any, pretty much any catcher. But it's going to be the young guys that they're going to be calling up in the bullpen that are going to really need help, and that's where a veteran catcher could also really help. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And, and, and not just developing – the young backstops, but also the young pitchers. Um, so I, again, conversation we'll have this off season. I, it wouldn't surprise me because like you said, it is, and this isn't groundbreaking baseball strategy, but that's kind of been their MO is bringing in a veteran guy to help guy. The, now the question might be, do they bring in an actual starter or do they just bring in a straight up back and be like, they're going to be the backup. K bear is going to catch every single day and then you'll catch every other day or two. I can't, I, I don't think they'll bring in an actual starter. Yeah, because I don't think so either. Why what, would they, why, why would they, they do that? Yeah. If they're not going to address the other needs at other positions to yeah. actually start every single day, day in and day out, it doesn't really make sense when you have two really good young prospects and, um, at that position. And what if you want Riley up the entire time too? I mean, if he has a good camp and he deserve earns the backups or at least a major league roster spot, I mean, I, I, my guess is they'll bring in like a non-roster invitee veteran mm-hmm. catcher, and then it's like, if if you beat out Riley Adams, 
good for you. If not, you know, best of luck to you elsewhere. Right. And thing. Riley Adams has done a good job since he's yeah. been here, and he's a good all-around player. He's a good defensively. He might, I mean, be a little bit better defensively than mm-hmm. Caber Ruiz. Um, and, you know, he's hitting. He got on base twice last night. So he might, they, he might be the backup, um, and that just might be how they go about it. It's a young, developing team, um, and that kind of fits the mold that they've gone with at every other position. Keyword being young, especially with the catchers. Mm-hmm. Being young is, is a good thing at this point because if they get a bunch of experience end of this year, next year, then they're veteran catchers heading right. into years that you're expecting to contend. Yep, and when they're going to go out, I mean, yeah, that's when you have pitchers coming up and, mm-hmm. you know, that's where they're going to spend their money. So to have catchers who have been there, been around the block a little bit, then that might – you know, work out well when they're ready to compete again. When Kay Cavalli makes his debut at Nationals Park next year, you're going to want Kay Ruiz behind the mm-hmm. plate since he already caught him once at AAA. A little more familiarity, and, you know, you'd, you're you not going to want some veteran guy who's not going to be there in two or three years catching. You're going to want the guy, the, the pairings that mm-hmm. you're going to have for the next couple of seasons, good or bad, you're going to want those guys out on the field. Right. Whether and or not they, they perform well or not, that's well, you know remains to be seen. But still, it's more of the repetitive instance of this is who you're throwing to, this is who you're catching, and uh, get used to each other because you guys will be teammates for a long right. time. Right, and that's super important at that with developing that pitcher-catcher mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's all. that was also maybe part of the reason, maybe we didn't talk about this as much during that podcast, but that kid got, I mean, he earned that call up to AAA, but hey, throw to K-Bear once before we call him up to the major league level, just so... You know, you're not complete strangers come pitchers and catchers reporting mid-February. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, you always say, oh, well, I've thrown to him before. Yeah. Oh, well, I've caught him before. You yeah. know, you're making your debut. You have to adjust quick, learning this this pitching staff quick. Um, that makes it a whole lot I easier. I know he likes to throw. I know what he likes to throw mm-hmm. in discount to this guy, to a left hand, to a righty, stuff like that. I mean, it's, that's, that's just one sm- – I mean, it's, again, not breaking any ground here, <laughs> but it's just like one – do the little things right. We, Mark Zuckerman talks about the little things yeah. all the time on the field, but off the field, do the little things right too. That's a small step, harmless step too. It, it doesn't hurt anybody, and it could go a long way to these guys growing really? together as, as, as young players. Right, because this is a young, rebuilding team, and yeah. if they kind of come up together, you let them develop those relationships, it could be all – there could be a bigger payoff in yeah. the end. And that's true for every position, not just pitcher-catcher, but, you know – letting Luis Garcia start the season and just go out there every day and build that confidence. Um, so then when they're ready to compete again, they've all been around each other um, and, and they've built a solid uh, roster with experience. I've said before that we're going to make this comparison a lot, but, you know, the O's bros just had their podcast and, of course, they've got the top player in all of minor league baseball and Adley Rutschman down at AAA, but, you know, they called him up to AAA. He earned it, but he's been catching a lot of their young pitching prospects. They have some of the best pitching prospects in all of baseball and who have also gone to the major league. So when Adley finally gets his call, it's not going to be like he's going to be catching, you know, Chris Tillman or Alex Cobb or someone like that. He's going to be catching their young guys that he's already caught before growing up together in Bowie in Norfolk at AAA and AA levels. So it's it's a small thing that could go a long way. Right. Good things to come. Good things to come. Good things to come. Exciting young guys that you might see start the season in 2022 that weren't even with this organization or weren't on the big league roster uh, to start this year. ADLP, the bot. I don't know if you're admitting you're actually a bot, but or just doing <laughs> a, a bit. But on Facebook, saying Kay Cavalli needs the call next year. He's going to get the call yeah. next year. It's just a matter of he when. He has to. <laughs> um, so uh, Lane We're Thomas is a hitting machine. Bit of English on it. Well, likes uh, likes that quote. Um, Robles is a work in progress for way too long now. 
Yeah, we talked about that, and it's kind of hard to disagree. I mean, you root for the guy, but actually, that might not be entirely. I mean, 2019, he was solid. Um, 2020, Bad, tough yeah. year. This year, tough year. Maybe he just needs more of a reset. But uh, really appreciate all the comments uh, on, on Twitter, uh, excuse me, on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, Mike Moore commenting along throughout the por- mm-hmm. portion of the show, so we really appreciate you guys. Um, was there any other positions we needed to cover? We're just doing position players, yep, right? I think that's it. And Juan Soto is obviously a lock and right. And then you have some veterans at at first base. There's they obviously yeah. Josh Bell will be here. yeah. Josh Bell's got one more year. Hopefully, they can flip him at the deadline. Look for an American League team that needs a power switch hitting bat that can also DH. Um, re- remains to be seen what happens with Zim if he wants to continue playing. If not, if the Nationals. Want him back? My guess is, of course, they would. But would he want to keep playing on a rebuilding team? We'll see. But um, yeah, no. I mean, all, like you said, all good things. It's <laughs> stick with us, Nationals fans. It's going to be a tough ending to the year and start to the next year. But it, it's it's worth to to pay attention to these young. And guys. the thing is, they're they're battling. What has it been? Six oh, games man. in a row. They've come back and at least tied a game. Um, their offense is better than it was before the trade deadline. This is so. Nuts. It's not that they're obviously there's going to be some heartbreakers and there's going to be some rough series uh, here probably next year too, um, but they're battling and yeah. you know they've they've stuck in games they've come back in games and they're still making it exciting and you're seeing guys that are stepping up and could be here to stay. Yeah, I, we've talked about it. it's going to be frustrating, but if you like pitching, especially relief pitching, it's going to be a tough. Last 24 <laughs> games, we've talked about how, you know, this team is going to lose games mostly because of the bullpen, because the offense is going to keep mm-hmm. them in it. And on any given night, you could get, it hasn't been that much this season, but you could get seven scoreless from Patrick Corbin. You could get five scoreless from Merrick Fetty or Paulo Espino, whoever it may be, which is good. It's just the back end of the bullpen mm-hmm. isn't as strong, uh, of course, with all the trade deadline sales and the, and the young arms back there. But like you said, the boys are battling. It's... You know they're never really out of it. Even that la- that bl- that game last week that turned into a blowout. They tied it in the eighth, I think, before mm-hmm. Wander Suero came in and and basically coughed up the entire game against the Phillies. So it's I know it's tough and and you don't like to lose, but uh, stick it's with worth them. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a much quicker rebuild than we've seen across yeah. baseball. So they need a win out to finish five hundred. They've already lost eighty one games. Oh, <laughs> well. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, here's the thing, though. Also, before we get out, I mean, just because breaking down the schedule, I mean, they finished, they got two more games against the Braves this week, but then they only play four games against the Reds and then close out the season with three games against the Red Sox. Those are the only competitors they play the rest of the way. They play last place teams in the Pirates, the Marlins, who they're tied with last place, um, and the Rockies, I think, are, th- are in fourth place out west. Uh, obviously, the Diamondbacks are, are, are terrible, but... They've and the Rockies twice, the Marlins twice. So they've they've got a relatively easy mm-hmm. schedule. So we could see them win some games, um, and in good fashion. Offense plays well, pitching, uh, you know, pitches well. So it's and it's, it's not going to be like they're going to go zero twenty four to finish the season. You know, they're going they're they're going to win a handful of games. They could have a couple of really good series, um, and, and maybe even uh, spoil up. You know, if they win two more against the Braves, um, or, or spoil the Red season or spoil the Red Sox season. I know you would like that. 
I sure would. <laughs> I would love that. So, and it's always, I mean, this, this part of this, this last part of the season is tough, especially when you're a team like the Nationals kind yeah. of right now. So to win and not finish the season on a bad note, I think is important and will help this, this team as they're trying to keep their spirits up and buy into this rebuild. Yep. Well, stay with us throughout the course of the regular season and, of course, into the off season. We'll have you covered every single week on the Mass and All Access podcast as we go live on YouTube and Facebook. You can also follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. At Amy Jennings News for Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. Big shout-out to Brendan Mortensen and Paul Mancano for their help behind the scenes. Stay safe, stay healthy, everybody. Uh, we thank you for so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. 